Welcome to the Automation World Get Your Questions Answered podcast, where we connect with industry experts to get the answers you need about industrial automation technologies. You can find even more answers by subscribing to Automation World at subscribeaw.com. That's subscribeaw.com. I'm David Greenfield, Editor-in-Chief at Automation World, and the question we'll be answering in this episode is, how do you determine which key performance indicators or metrics to track with manufacturing execution system software? And joining me to answer this question is Sam Russum with Grantech, an industrial system integrator. So thanks for joining me, Sam. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, David. Great to be on the podcast again. You know, let's just start by explaining how manufacturing execution system or manufacturing operations management software is used to track key production metrics. Yeah, so what good good place to start, right? Um, MES is really kind of great at calculating these production metrics because kind of it checks all the boxes in a really nice way, right? I mean, to to get and use these metrics, there's really three things you got to do, right? You got to to get that source data. You need to do some computations on it and kind of start to turn that into information with context. And then you got to get that out of the system and out to stakeholders and are going to use that to, to make some decisions, right? So MES, again, it can do each of those pieces uh, and it can do them in unique ways too. So when it comes to collecting data, your MES usually sits you know, above your plant control systems and can talk to PLCs, SCADAs, historians, things like that in the factory. But it's also good at talking to things outside of the factory. It could talk to your ERPs, your supply chain management systems, and things like that. So it's good at getting all of this different data from all of these different systems. And then it does have all of the, usually, the infrastructure behind it to do some of those computations you're going to want to do also, whether that be through database calls or inbuilt functions to the MES or writing your own custom code. And then that last step is usually the easiest, actually. It's just kind of presenting this on some type of dashboard or some type of report that you can get out the door to all these stakeholders to go through and make decisions. So if you're wondering kind of where you can be calculating certain metrics that are that are tough for you to get today, uh, an MES might be kind of that building block in that space where you should be building that. Thanks for explaining that, Sam. You know, before we go, you know, any further deeper into, you know, this explanation here, you know, around this topic, you know, one thing I want to address are the two terms MES and MOM for manufacturing execution system and manufacturing operations management. And those two terms are largely used interchangeably, but is there any real distinct difference between the two in your opinion, or is it more of a vendor naming preference? Uh, both of those are kind of correct, honestly. Um, so yes, MESMOM are used interchangeably all the time. And it took me a while kind of working in this space for, for even kind of me to kind of grasp the difference. At first, I really just thought that it, uh, in, in English, it was weird to call things mom all the time when you were talking about <laughs> manufacturing. But but really, <laughs> my understanding is that it is more like, so mom, manufacturing operations management is like a, a function. It's a domain of, of places where you can do all sorts of things where MES, a manufacturing execution system, is a type of software that helps you do manufacturing operations management. So uh, I tried to work up a little analogy. This is the first time I'm trying this. So let me know if this flies or not. Okay. But it, it's kind of like mom is saying something like automobile transportation and MES is something like cars, right? So Automobile transportation is a big concept that's about using motorized vehicles to get things from one place to another. 
cars or a specific type of automation of uh, automotive transportation that is good at transporting small numbers of people. But not everything uh, that solves your transportation problems is a car. You have buses, you have trucks, you have motorcycles, and they're each good at different things, right? Trucks are better at moving large amounts of cargo. Motorcycles are better at taking a single person somewhere and having them look very cool when they do it. Um, so there's all of these different kind of types of things uh, and types of systems that can solve a mom problem. So again, in this context, there's all sorts of different pieces of software, collections of software that can help improve your manufacturing operations management. Um, Mez is one of them. They're particularly good at things like that data collection, scheduling, um, collecting some of that data and kind of presenting those analytics there's other more tailor-made um, solutions that also help with operations management, things like your warehouse management systems or your limbs systems or your uh, maintenance management systems, right? These are all things that might not be necessarily a part of a MES piece of software, but are still helping you in that mom space. So yes, they're used interchangeably all the time. Usually when people are talking about mom, they're talking about MES systems as well, but there are other pieces of software that definitely help in that, in that domain. Okay. So in terms of our reference, what we're talking about today with KPI and metrics tracking, it applies equally to both or is it more in one area or the other? Yeah, good question. Um, so I would actually say a lot of the the, the mom softwares that we're talking about here um, are going to... In- have a lot of the properties of MES that I'm talking about that are valuable for it, right? They're just kind of tailor-made for specific applications. Um, Again, that warehouse management system is a really good one, Mm -hmm. right? So if you're talking about principles of manufacturing operations management, inventory management is a huge and kind of complex area. And there's just pieces of software that are very specifically tailored to doing inventory management very well. and you can even uh, argue that that is a form of MES software itself. It's all it's all a little academic. So I guess going forward, I'll just refer to it as MES since that's the tends to be the more commonly used uh, yeah. uh, acronym anyway. So so getting back to the metrics issue, you know, what does MES software tell users about these metrics? You know, does it just track them and provide a historic historized view of the trends? Or can it provide insights based on its tracking of these metrics, yep. you know, like on what things to target or where to make improvements? Or does that require separate analytics types of software? Yeah, that that's the big opportunity, I feel like, in MES and where a lot of them are trying to get to. So if you look at a lot of what you're talking about here is kind of similar to metrics maturity guidelines, right, where a lot of analytics maturity models, they talk about how you start with kind of descriptive analytics and then go to diagnostic and then predictive and then prescriptive, right? So each of those levels being a little bit more complex than the last. So any MES software worth its salt today is going to give you descriptive and diagnostic analytics. The question is which ones are going beyond that to do more predictive and prescriptive work as well. Some MES platforms are certainly kind of getting more into that space and doing more of that um, within their, their ecosystem. But there are also a lot of other third-party softwares that might specialize in a certain type of predictive work or um, are just a good tool set of other more powerful predictive tools that might be able to help you. I'm thinking about like predictive maintenance tools and things like that, right? They're using similar data that an MES could compute, compute for you, but there are 
predictive maintenance tools that are using similar data to MES that are going to be very purpose-built and very, very good at predicting those things. And you might not want to do something in your MES if there's software that's out there that's good at it already. Um, and then, yeah, there's definitely plenty of AI ML platforms you can also layer on top of this if you did want to get to something more powerful. And I got to say also that like, we're not taking people out of the equation just yet in most of these cases, right? So even if you do have some intelligence in these systems that is giving you that that's really pointing you in the right direction and telling you what to fix, you usually do still need some human interaction to, to validate that decision or to actually go through and do that work or make that change. I, I think that people are still um, rightfully cautious about a completely hands-off approach uh, for things like that. Yeah, hopefully this is something that augments what people do and helps direct them without having to spend the time trying to, you know, crunch all of this data that's, you know, almost impossible for humans to do in any sort of realistic amount of time. So so getting back to the specific yeah. reader question behind this podcast is, you know, how should a manufacturer go about assessing their operations to figure out which key metrics they should be tracking with MES software? My, my take on it is that there's really kind of three schools of thought when you come to trying to find where you're going to start that MES journey, right? It's that you find your your biggest problems and complaints and you go and try to tackle those. It's that you go and try to, that's option one. Option two is you find those low-hanging fruit to try to show that you can get something working. And three, which is um, a lot of kind of how I was trained a while back, was really that you start with these overall business objectives and then cascade your goals down to figure out what that MES and KPI strategy is going to be. Uh, I think that there's issues with all of these strategies in isolation, right? If you're if you're looking for the biggest problem, you're probably also finding the most complex problem because if you could solve it, you would have solved it already, right? So that can really lead to a very complex design and expensive and risky implementation. Um, on the other hand, if you go to the other extreme and take that lowest hanging fruit, sure, you might be able to show something, but you might not actually get any value out of it, right? And then what's the point? And business objectives like sounds like a really great starting point, and I would say it is probably the best practice. But what I've seen happen a lot of times is companies maybe without as strong of a strategic direction or maybe don't have kind of that clear goal and business objectives laid out it can really spiral into more of like a business management consulting activity and you kind of get lost in, in what you were trying to do in the first place. So I think it's probably pretty obvious what I'm trying to get to here, which is I think that the right answer is a balance between these three, right? You want to find a problem that is really going to, that people are complaining about that's going to provide value, but not your hardest one, right? Mm. And you're going to want to make sure that this is all aligned to some type of overall business goal that you can set a goalpost around. I want to reduce scrap by 10% or increase throughput by 4% or something like that. You should have some type of business metric that you're trying to do. And then you collect all your pain points and opportunities that could really drive that. And that's where you start to kind of build up where you might want to apply this MES technology um, to get started. One thing that I'm thinking about here, and, and this may be one of those, it depends kind of uh, answers uh, because of course, favorite answer, you know that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You know, because every MES piece of software is going to be different, you know, but once a user has determined which metrics they want to track, how is this typically implemented in the MES software, I guess, at a general, you know, high level? Yeah. So uh, actually, I'm going to go back a little bit to kind of how I answered the first question, which is I really kind of recommend 
breaking things out into three letter uh, into three layers, kind of like a model view controller type thing. If you're used to that type of programming terminology, but like it's your connectivity, your compute, and your display, right? Your connectivity piece, how I get all of these data from all of these systems, that's going to change all the time. So you probably have lots of different systems that are going to want to get you data in different ways. So like that needs to be its own core because it's going to change at a different rate and for different applications more than the other sides of things. Then you have your compute. So once you've kind of modeled all of this data, hopefully you're bringing it in in a common format. Now what you do with that data can become more standard. And when it gets to visualization, then you want things to be very standard, right? The more you can reuse, the better. So I do think it kind of helps to break into those, those uh, ideas. How am I going to connect to all of this equipment? How am I going to get all of that data? And then who do I send it to? And I also think that as you break things down that way, you'll kind of intentionally modularize your code to make it easier to kind of improve and change these things down the line as you do need to roll out and expand. And speaking about changing things, you know, as you move forward, you know, how difficult is it to add or adjust the metrics that you track in MES if adjustments do need to be made over time based on what you've learned? Yeah, well, if you follow what I just kind of described, <laughs> hopefully not that bad. Uh, <laughs> but it does, it can get messy all the time. I mean, um, there's plenty of times that I've I've walked into plants and other people at Grand Tech have walked into plants that have MES systems that have a lot of like hard-coded data, right? So um, if you don't know, right, we're talking about hard-coding something. We're talking about like when you code very specifically to a problem at hand and not for, for flexibility and change in design in the future. Like, so if you were going to make a chart that uh, shows you a temperature over time, but it only works with this one temperature probe and it won't translate over to other temperature probes and things like that, right? So if you're designing your code with the proper modularity, with that flexibility from the beginning, hopefully small changes are easy to implement. Of course, this is going to be an always mm -hmm. it depends type question. Um, you know, if I'm riding a bicycle today, I'm not going to be able to turn it into a Ferrari tomorrow. Uh, but there's still with small tweaks, we should be able to do it easy, uh, easy, easily if it is well designed. So, you know, we've been talking about, you know, this, uh, you know, the, this topic at a very high general level. But can you give some examples of customers that you've worked with on metric tracking via MES and how that's benefited their operations? Yeah, I, I do have a cool story about this. So um, you and I have talked about OEE on a couple of podcasts before. So OEE is a metric that is pretty commonly calculated in an MES layer, right? And uh, but you can always go back and listen to those podcasts if you want to hear a lot of information about it. But high level for this conversation, right? OEE tells you how efficiently a line is running, how much you're utilizing it, and helps you break that down into availability, throughput, and quality. So, so we had a customer that was facing a do I improve or buy new decision? They needed to increase the uh, production capacity and production output of their plant. Um, and they were didn't know, do I need to invest in installing an entirely new production line or couple of lines to meet that demand? Or am I able to change things on my existing processes and my existing machines um, for a lower cost? Then I'll still be able to hit those numbers. So we started that with an, ME, with an OEE calculation, right? Okay, well, how efficiently are your current assets running? And we found that through that, um, the throughput was pretty set just based on the, the nature of the process. Sure, there was availability issues. The machines went down sometimes. But even if we fixed all of the downtime issues, that wasn't going to get to them to their production numbers. It was really quality. Quality was the issue that we had. And if we could increase quality by a certain amount of points for under a certain amount of dollars, it was pretty clear that 
they could just that there would be a much more cost effective solution to make those improvements. Mm. So that actually led to another expansion of that MES system. So, okay, if quality is the thing that we need to fix, we started adding in more SPC features so that we could try to detect before it would happen if a quality issue was imminent. And then there were other things too, right? So uh, I believe the uh, manufacturer worked with some of their suppliers to get more consistent materials in the door. And they also changed some of their um, operating processes on the floor to make sure that people were coming by those machines more often and taking more corrective action. And in the end, um, thanks to the data that came out of these MES systems, they were able to hit those new production numbers without having to install a new line. So yeah, that, it's, it saved them. It, it, there was the ROI yeah, in the exactly. system form right there, I guess, alone, probably. Yeah. So one last question, Sam, since we've been on the topic of MES here, you know, there's been a lot of talk for, for years now that MES software, you know, while not going away, of course, is probably likely to be absorbed as part of ERP systems or maybe even larger SCADA HMI systems. So based on your experience, you know, in industry with these systems, are you seeing this come to pass or do you think MES is always going to remain an independent software component? Um, I honestly think that the landscape is changing to accommodate some of those options, but it's not going to replace the MES kind of softwares that we know today. It's just giving more choice to, to people in the market, right? So here, let me go over kind of a, a couple of examples of, of where we've kind of seen this before, kind of through SCADA and ERP and some other options too, that I think are interesting. So um, in that flattening the stack conversation that you and I had had, mm -hmm. we talked about SCADAs doing more MES functionality. Specifically, we were talking about inductive automations, ignition SCADA, and how you can expand that to MES functions using these SEPASoft MES modules. Uh, it's a really cool option for people that have that ignition SCADA already and maybe want to dive into more MES use cases, but don't want to have to buy a, a big MES. They just maybe want to solve a couple of problems um, or they do kind of want to train people on a single ignition platform and not another MES platform. So it might not be as fully featured out of the box as dedicated MES software, but a really great way to expand your SCADA systems and, and start to get some of those gains. On the other hand, you have things like um, SAP, uh, the, the biggest ERP, at least in North America, right? And they have been adding MES-like modules to their platform for years now, right? They do have OEE. They do have SPC. They have EAM. Um, and that's definitely all overlapping with MES software. The challenge with those is that um, they aren't in the plant most of the time, right? So there are systems that are owned and managed by IT and corporate IT. They don't have systems in the plant. So, so that type of communication to get that plant level data, it's definitely possible, but it ends up usually being kind of expensive and, and more complex. Now, another approach that I do think is really interesting is what a company like um, Tulip is doing. So Tulip bills themselves as a next generation MES, and they're doing something unique and valuable in that they have this IIoT app-based philosophy, where instead of paying an upfront fee for all of these MES features in a big piece of MES software, you design, implement, and pay by the application, um, which makes it really easy to solve individual problems. Um, for example, you need a GXP-rated electronic batch record EBR system for a, a biomanufacturer Traditionally, you might need to buy a fully-fledged MES just to solve that ERP, uh, EBR problem. And with Tulip, you just deploy a single EBR app for much less complexity, much easier to validate, much lower code, um, 
and cost points. So, so no, I don't think that the the quote unquote traditional MES software, uh, like your Aviva, your production center, your Plex, that's not going away anytime soon. But the market's expanding, and that is offering new choices and new choices to customers that can help solve problems in different ways. and And I think that's a really good thing. And, and I even heard at uh, the Aviva World event last week that even they're going with their MES, they're going modular with that, so you can buy the components of it, you know, via SaaS or you know, installed on premises. But they're going in that same mode too, while they're still going to offer the full blown MES for those who want it for, in its traditional format. Yeah. Exactly. Even if um, even if these softwares don't completely change the market and become the next Aviva or something like that, they are mm-hmm. at least you know the, these smaller companies are coming and doing more innovative things that then forces change from other players mm-hmm. as well, right? They're kind of setting new new uh, ideas and precedent. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you again for joining me for this podcast, Sam. And thanks, of course, to all our listeners. Please keep watching this space for more installments of Automation World. Get your questions answered. And remember, you can find us online at automationworld.com. And subscribe to the print magazine at subscribeaw.com to stay on top of the latest industrial automation technology insights, trends, and news.